the job, the stress. Uh, 10 4 Kilo 23, we are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics, Politics. pressure. pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. This is Rich with Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity again, and I am here today with one of our volunteers. One of the things we wanted to do was offer an opportunity to introduce some of the great volunteers that we have with our organization. So today I'm joined by Mike, who is technically retired, but from his daily activities, you would have a hard time believing that. And Mike is also our current vice president. How are you today, Mike? Evening, Rich. How are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, thanks uh, for giving me this opportunity uh, to uh, tell people a little bit about myself and the organization. Absolutely. Happy to have you, and thanks for taking the time. So I'll get started with just a couple of quick questions, all right? Sure. My first question is, roughly, how long have you been in emergency services? Well, I was active in emergency services for, uh, oh, over uh, 40 years. I'm still somewhat involved, uh, even though I retired in 2010, uh, in the foreground, shall I say, uh, the background. Uh, but uh, yeah, I started uh, my police career in 73, but before that I actually started uh, in fire and EMS in 71 up in New Jersey. So you bring a great amount of experience to the table, um, kind of off topic a little bit, but what's unique about you is you can relate fire, EMS, and law enforcement, and would you agree that there's some similarities between them? Oh, most definitely. Uh, the uh, things that both services see will eat people up if they don't talk it out. Uh, it's a shame that more people don't do that, and uh, it causes problems with the individuals if they don't. Yeah, I'll be honest, when we had that PTSD panel last year, you joined us and uh, Jeff from the Brotherhood Ride joined us. My eyes were kind of opened. I, I was enlightened. I had no idea uh, how many similarities there really were between the services. Yes, uh, most definitely. And uh, I was involved with EMS uh, more on a volunteer basis as opposed to Jeff was uh, looking at it as a full-time basis, but both of them have a lot of parallel and uh, see a lot of uh, black in the world, shall I say. Yeah. All right. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you first became involved with Team South Florida? Sure. Um, when I moved down uh, from New Jersey, I was interested in continuing my law enforcement career, and I took the uh, equivalency of training in Palm Beach uh, State College, and that's when I met you uh, as you were doing the same thing, coming from Vegas, uh, hopefully to Florida as well. And uh, we developed a friendship and remained uh, uh, in touch with one another, and uh, you had mentioned to me about your bicycle uh, 
with uh, uh, Tour de Force as well as um, Police Unity Tour as many other things developed and as your organization started to uh, take uh, formation. I uh, was right there for the most part, right from the very beginning, and uh, helped as much as I could when I could. I'll tell you, we really were lucky. Sometimes people end up in the right place at the right time because uh, the experience that you had and your passion and your drive, you really were with us from the very beginning. I don't know, I don't think either one of us could uh, could have imagined going back to when we first started to where we were where we would be today. I think it's pretty pretty cool to think about. Uh, yes, and I, I have to mention though publicly that uh, we have a lot to owe to you for your very strong passion and desire for the organization. Trust me, my brother. Well, I, I assure you, I didn't pay you to say that, so. <laughs> but thank, thank you, not, not necessary, but thank you. Right, no, so. but I mean it. Uh, I mean, everyone works very, very hard, but uh, there's a lot of uh, things that you do in the behind the scenes that no one knows about. I appreciate it. Definitely a team effort, though. And speaking about the organization, we have quite a few charitable initiatives. Can you tell us one of them that you're most passionate about? I would have to say, uh, because of some other organizations I've been along to and seen what it has done over the years, our uh, Christmas uh, toy drives and uh, Christmas uh, gift buying with the uh, families of fallen officers, it means so, so much to them to have people remember them at times uh, such as that. Um, I, I have seen it for many years, and, and it really... Uh, the the joy it brings them. Some of the people just go into tears. They they can't believe that people that had no direct involvement would do something like that. And uh, that that is one of my most passionate uh, things that we do. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I it's funny. I th I think everybody from the organization. I think that's that's the one that stands out for all of us for the most part, just spending time with the children and spending time with the family. Well, that and the continuing support for the surviving families. Uh, so often we find that agencies will be there for the fallen family immediately after and, you know, uh, for short periods of time and then it goes by the wayside. Uh, it, it means so, so much for people to continue uh, being there and helping them, uh, it, it really means a lot to these people. And uh, it, it just, we, we can't forget, we have to be our brother's keepers. Very well said. Uh, it, you know, it's funny you say that. The, this topic has come up before and we've been asked a couple of times and I've personally had this conversation, I know Jason has as well, there have been a couple of us that have had this conversation with different levels of rank, if you will, from different agencies. And a lot of times what we hear is certain individuals, certain agencies, they're hesitant to continue to remind or continue to bring up or continue to reach out. But what we've consistently, consistently heard from these families is that they don't want to forget and they want to know that they're not forgotten about. 
I, I I just think you ha- it, it's the individual family. Some families want nothing to do. They want to move on with it. Others don't want to ever forget. And, and we have to take it as a case-by-case basis and feel them out. Um, I, I know that through, uh, like I said, the other organizations I've been with, some will, will welcome you to there. Others, they, they, they say thank you, but no thank you. I mean, like I said, I've been involved with uh, delivering toys at Christmas time uh, with uh, uh, other organizations. And we had one family, they put on a spread for the whole group. And I'm talking, we would go there with 15, 20 people and, and they look forward to it every year. So it, it's, it, it depends, but you have to at least offer and, and reach out and just don't take it for granted because there are a lot that want to continue that remembrance and they want people around them to help them. Do you think for some of today's police leaders, if you will, do you think that maybe they don't know and and they're hesitant or they don't know how to approach it? Um, I, 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 I don't know. It, it can be a, a number of things. Uh, some of them, I, I wonder if, they're afraid that if they continue bringing it to the forefront, if it's something that will uh, scare off other officers, uh, you know, and make them think harder about about it. I, I don't know, but there's it has to be something from the, the driven from the inside of the individual officers, a passion, shall I say? They want to be there for these people, and they have to read them. You know, it, you, in your law enforcement career, you develop a sixth sense and you, you have to develop that same sixth sense dealing with these people and being able to read them. Do they really want that continuation of support? And if, if it picks up, they should wholeheartedly try to help them as much as possible because it will make other people feel that if something were to happen to them, that they can at least know that their family will be looked after as well. I, I definitely agree. And, you know, these are some of these topics are not so easy to talk about, but they're topics that need to be discussed. And one of, one of the things that I think to piggyback off of what you just said, I, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as how critically important it is to have a liaison officer one person, one representative from the agency, no matter how big or small the agency, and that person has to be the right person with the right amount of passion that can read people, that has the drive. And I think if, if the agencies do that, I think you're in a, a much better opportunity for success. I, I, I have to agree. If they know that they can reach out to this person anytime, it makes them feel comfortable. If they keep getting switched around from one person to another to another, they they have to have a go-to person. And it should start from day one, and if at all possible, that same person should continue all the way through. I agree. All right. uh, Moving forward, if you had one piece of advice for either a newer or a veteran law enforcement officer, and this might be a tough one, what would you share with them? Well, newer officers is uh, be a sponge, absorb as much as you can from 
your superior or your uh, veteran officers learn from prior mistakes that maybe they had and learn from that and don't develop tombstone courage you're not invincible uh you you have to always think before you act and then anything for our veteran officers um when things are bothering you and god knows we all know things will bother us as the careers go on um you have to talk to people you you can't just keep it inside of you and sometimes it's someone that has no knowledge of you but you have to develop a support network and unfortunately i i see more and more of that here in certain areas of the country only because of the way the structure is made um they don't have the camaraderie and that camaraderie cause it will help with that support network um being from up north i saw it a lot more um you know i i did 37 years in the north and up there for the most part a lot of the agencies didn't have take-home cars so as the shifts were done people would would socialize off duty but with the take-home cars and now the 12-hour shifts they all want to scatter and go home right away so they don't have that support network so you have to discuss it you have to reach out and when something's bothering you talk with someone even if it's someone you have no knowledge of sometimes just getting it off your chest will help you a lot you know what you're saying you bring up some good points i think this is where I think this is where it's important to have such good supervisors because if you have good supervision and I'm not talking at the command level I'm talking if you're if you're a detective you're a detective sergeant if you're working the road the road patrol sergeant you know if you're in crime scene you're crime scene supervisor if you're in dispatch or dispatch supervisor but your immediate supervisor I think this is where it really is important to have good supervision because they can kind of encourage the camaraderie, if you will, they can also pick up on changes, behavioral changes. They should know certain calls, certain situations. They, they're officers, they're people. You know, um, I agree with you 100%. I, I, and I think you kind of stress the importance of having good super supervision. And, and some people think uh, because of maybe years ago, as soon as you say that after work, going out, they always think right away about drinking. No, that's not the case. I mean, just going out and having breakfast and, and uh, dinner or something like that, just, just to stress, get rid of some of that stress and talk it out. Um, and that will help. I mean, we have developed in emergency services, and I've had this from day one, uh, one of the ways we always did it was black humor. And people from the outside wouldn't understand it, but it does help. Uh, and uh, uh, just little things like that will help uh, relieve some of that, that tension. Uh, but they, they have to try and do something. You know, it's funny, we, we had a lot more options in Las Vegas because of the 24-hour city, but I'm reminded of a squad that I worked when we worked 10 p.m. to 8 a.m., 
everybody would go back to the station, we would turn in our paperwork and we did not have take home cars, which is your earlier point. And we would change out into our regular clothes, we'd take our regular vehicles and we would all go to a bar. And it's funny because eight o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, there would be a couple of people that would have a beer or a cocktail or a glass of wine. There would be people that would have coffee and pancakes and there would be people that would have soda or water and a hamburger. So, you know, we, we kind of lived up to what you just mentioned a few minutes ago in Las Vegas. Yeah, you, you have to do it. And uh, like I said, we we did it up in Jersey and uh, it, it helped. It, it really does help. So the next question, and I don't know if we kind of just jumped into this or not, but the next question I have is thinking about the profession today, because there's a lot going on in policing today. You're still very much in tune with it through your contacts and your, your organizations and everything, ours included. But from working when you started to seeing what's going on today, is there anything maybe besides camaraderie, is there anything that comes to mind or something you'd like to see changed or see more of? We have to instill in our newer officers a, a desire and a, let them know there's a need in order for organizations to continue, that they all want to be there for them, that if they don't reach out and pay it forward and help out with them, they will stop. And this is not just in the police community. This is in all aspects. Too many organizations are are going by the wayside and they're stopping, such as VFWs or uh, American Legion, shall I say. They're closing the shop. And these things will happen with FOP unions, PBA halls, whatever, because if you don't have the membership involved, you can't continue. And you have to get involved, and that will ultimately help your career in the long run and your brothers and your sisters. Yeah, there was a, there was a union president or director uh, that I remember not too long ago used to tell everybody, everybody was really quick to complain, but where were they when they had these meetings and they would, they, they wouldn't show up and discuss these items at the meeting. They would just complain after the fact. Exactly. I've had this, this, phrase or saying I've always believed in, and I think it's very good advice for people, don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. Don't complain unless you're willing to help and correct it. Because people have to be there willing to do that. I like it. Let me put you on the spot for a second. Um, on the union topic, what do you say to some people that are hesitant to get involved in the union because they try to avoid the politics? Because this has come up before. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. We've had, we've had some people contact us uh, about being passed over for certain positions and there's strong feelings that they were passed over because of union involvement. Unfortunately, that kind of thing does happen most more than likely. But uh, again, if, if you don't put forward the effort to change things, things will never change. Um, and hopefully those things won't happen. But 
it, it does make people stop and think, but you have to have that courage and hopefully overcome it. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. Absolutely. Very true. All right, Mike, um, anything else you want to uh, share before I let you go for the night? Uh, um, no, I, I think that's pretty much it, Rich. Um, you know, just uh, be safe, and uh, I hope everyone that is on the job wears their safety equipment, wear that vest, put on that seatbelt, and slow down those cars. We just have too many officers that are being killed uh, in, in car accidents also. Um, but the biggest hazard I think it is for our profession right now is the number of officers that we are losing by suicide. And they they have to reach out. They're, they have to talk with people to try and overcome. Uh, it may look very doomed now, but uh, things change. There's no coming back from doing the ultimate of sacrificing yourself. Some great advice and some very true words from Mike. Mike, I appreciate it. I'll throw out our cell phone number once again for regarding that last part. If anybody's in need, if anybody wants to talk, if anybody needs help, they want to vent, they want some local resources, especially on the local front, but we have national as well. Confidential, anonymous, free. Just send us a text at 702-527-1290. And if you feel more comfortable and want to talk with Mike, make that request and we can make it happen. Mike, I thank you very much for all you do, not just with our organization, but with so many other organizations that you're a big part of. And I hope you realize you're definitely making a difference out there and we truly appreciate it. Well, thanks, Rich. And again, I, I have to compliment you for all that you do as well. And uh, everyone be safe. Take care.